0: Hey everyone. Thank you so much for being here today at Solace Church. It is my favorite service of the year. Uh, We have a lot of great services. This one is my favorite and here's why. There is not another service throughout the year that I think we have a tangible way to model exactly what Jesus has done for us. He gave up so much on our behalf, and we get a chance in some small way to give back as well to benefit the lives of others. I said that this last week on the Facebook video. I just want to tell you again today, that's why I love this week at Solace Church so much. So this is Give Sunday 2016, and uh, I am thankful that you're here. If you're a guest, this is your first time. You came on a great week, man. This This is the heartbeat of our church to be able to be generous. And to give away, and so I'm glad that you're here. And of course, if you're watching online, thanks for being a part of our online community. Today, church, uh, I, I'm first of all thankful to be back. I thoroughly enjoyed my time away, and I am so thankful to be back with you. You two on the front, appreciate that. That is great. Three of you are glad that I'm back. That's really good. And one guy in the back over there is clapping for me. That's really good. Um, no, really, it is, it's good to be back. And I want to let you know before we go any further today that a new series we're starting Uh, It's coming up next week, it's called No Other Name, and it's about this whole idea in scripture where scripture just reveals to us, teaches us that there is no other name given to men whereby we can be saved. What does that mean? What is the significance of that? Uh, And so we're gonna unpack that for the next few weeks starting next week, so I hope you'll come back for that. Um, But let's talk today about the whole idea of why we do give and the difference that it makes. If you have your Bibles or phones or whatever you use to read uh, scripture, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter six. 1 Timothy chapter six. Now let me set the stage for you for for just a couple of minutes while you're turning there. Paul is going to write to Timothy. He writes two letters that make it into what we call the Bible or inspired scripture. He writes two letters to Timothy. The first letter he writes to Timothy, we see that Paul is instructing Timothy on how to pastor this church. Paul has sent Timothy to Ephesus Paul has instructed Timothy on how to lead uh, as the pastor. And you're gonna see throughout this entire letter, Paul gives specific instructions on how to to best lead the church. Several times throughout the, uh, the letter, Paul is going to give an imperative statement to Timothy. He is going to tell Timothy, you do this. These are very direct statements, not meant to be manipulative or forceful, but rather to be clear. To be certain, Timothy, you must give this message. You must lead them in this way. The text that we're going to look at for the next couple of minutes has two of those imperative statements. Paul is going to command Timothy to do a couple of different things. I don't want you to look at these statements in this text and see this text as harsh. It's not at all harsh. But rather, Paul understands the urgency to teach the church these incredibly important things. We're going to look at three verses, 17, 18, and 19. And I don't know of, of, uh, of another place in Scripture where we can see three verses make such potent, powerful points for us to take home as these three verses do. Each one stands alone as a powerful truth and principle uh, that each of us could embrace and, uh, and, and live out in our own lives. But I want to show you how the text unfolds. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 6 is really almost exclusively about money. In this text, many of you probably heard this verse or memorized this verse. Paul says earlier in the text, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. You've heard that verse before. We're not going to deal with that today. We're going to go a little bit further in the text to see an incredibly powerful truth or several truths. Paul gives to Timothy so that he might give to the church in Ephesus. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17-19 in the New International Version says this. Paul says, Timothy, command you, command, imperative statement, command those who are rich in this present world. This Greek word here, world, is not cosmos, meaning the physical world in which we live, but rather the Greek word, aion, A-I, uh, uh, ion, which, which means a way of thinking. So what Paul is saying in the text, Timothy, Um, command those who are rich by the standards that the world sets in other words the world has a pattern of thinking the world believes that there is an end to achieve and that is gaining material wealth gaining material possessions command those who by the world standards might have achieved something significant command them not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth Now he's gonna tell you why because to put your hope in this wealth is a mistake because it's uncertain. Uh, Have you ever had a job one day and then lost it the next? The stock market is up and then it is down. Companies make money one day and the next day they can't find a way to bring one more penny into their company. Gas prices hit $100 a barrel and then $30 a barrel and industry suffer because of it. One day you are perfectly healthy, the next day you're piling up medical bills. That is the nature of the world in which we live. And if someone were to believe that wealth brings security, they deceive themselves because wealth can never bring security. It wasn't intended for that. There is a purpose for wealth, and we'll see what that is in a moment, but it's not enough or significant in and of itself to put my hope or confidence in. But rather, he says, but to put their hope in God. Why would one want to put their hope in God? It's because of what scripture reveals to us about who he is. For Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the unchanging Savior of the world. God is sovereign, and he will never be removed from his place of authority. He reigns sovereign over everything, and that will never change. Paul says there's no comparison between money and God. One is uncertain, one is absolutely certain. So when you lose your job and the money dries up, God still remains sovereignly in control of your life. And when the stock market goes down and begins to crash your retirement, God is still sovereignly in control. And when your health fails and the medical bills pile up, God is still very much your provider. Now, Paul doesn't want this first part of this sentence to come across in the wrong way. Paul's not saying money is bad. Money is actually very good. There's nothing wrong with material possessions, there's nothing wrong with wealth. If you have reached the standard of wealth or success in this world, I celebrate that with you. Wealth is a good thing used in the right way. So Paul wants to make sure that Timothy, as he's delivering this message to the church at Ephesus, and ultimately even to Solace church today, he wants us to understand what God has made money for. Here's what he says, put our hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. In other words, money can be a means to an end, but it's never the end in and of itself. God has provided every material possession that you have for your enjoyment. God made the world good, and he sets you in the world, and he wants you to enjoy it, and he wants me to enjoy it. All that is great and good. We should not view money or the world or material things as bad. They're not. But therefore, our enjoyment... They can never be the means or the end. They can only be a means by which God can do something in us and through us. So if you're writing things down, man, I hope you would write this down just as a note today about verse 17. Money should be my servant and not my master. I heard an individual say this one time money is a wonderful servant and a ruthless master. And it is absolutely true. If you give yourself to money, you will have to do all kinds of things, even things that are unethical or immoral, to reach that end if it becomes your master. However, if it is a servant by which you can, God, or God can do great things through you, it is a wonderful servant and a great tool for that. Now, Paul gives us the right thinking in verse 17. Now he's going to help us understand in verse 18 the right way of doing. Some different things. And this is what he goes on to say. It's the second command statement in this passage of Scripture. You, Timothy, command them, that is, those you are preaching to and teaching at Ephesus and Solace Church 2,000 years later, to do good, to be rich in good deeds. These two statements aren't competing. They're actually parallel statements for emphasis. Paul is saying, teach the church to do good and to be rich in good deeds. One thing I love about Solace Church, and there are many, is that Solace Church is living this out on a regular basis. We have a passion at Solace Church for doing good things for people, and the storylines are incredible. And you're gonna get a chance to hear some of those today, but the storylines are incredible of how we're going out into our communities, going out into our schools, going out into the world, and, and doing good things on behalf of people. And so Paul says this is exactly what those who are called Christ followers should be doing. Now it makes sense, doesn't it? Think about this. If money is my end, then it really limits my ability to go out and think about others because I need to think about myself and achieving that end. But if God is my foundation and my security, it calls me, it motivates me to live like Jesus did and to get out and do what he did as well. Not only should they do good deeds, but they should also be generous and willing to share. Again, parallel statements for emphasis. Be generous and willing to share. It it complements what Paul uh, told the Corinthian church as well. God loves a cheerful giver. In other words, when we see God providing our stability and he is our foundation, it motivates us to want to be generous with material possessions because they are not the end. They are a means to achieve an end, which is to be rich in good deeds. Do you see the point? Paul is making a great point here about the way in which we are going to live out our lives. And once again, church, can I celebrate you? Would you allow me to do that? Solace church is getting this. Solace church is showing a picture of generosity by days like today and other days as well. I love the fact that at the first of the service, I was in the back in the green room, but I heard you out here. When Jay came out on the stage, you guys were clapping and celebrating the fact that it's Give Sunday. That comes from a certain disposition. That comes from a certain thinking. It comes from a certain heart. You are eager to give, and I love that about our church. I'm thankful that is the heartbeat of our church. And so if you're, yeah, you can clap for that, it's fine. So so if you're you're writing things down, if Paul's trying to draw us into a, a pattern of living, he's trying to help us understand this, that people matter more than possessions. If the end goal was money, Paul could never write verse 18. He would say things like make sure that you're working every hour of the day or make sure you're saving every bit that you possibly can. And make sure you're taking care of yourself and, and no one else because it's all about you. you no, know, Paul says it's not all the end. It's almost as if Paul remembered the words of Jesus when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest thing you can do? What's the greatest commandment? He said, love God and love. That would be a great mission statement for a church. I, I think that would be a great mission statement for a church maybe like ours. Love God Love people. Because people matter more than possessions. And so Paul helps us understand a way of thinking. He helps us understand a way of, of living, of, be, of doing life. But I love the fact that Paul brings it all together in verse number 19. And he helps us understand that this is who we are meant to be. Notice what he says in verse number 19. In this way, in other words, when God is our foundation and we are rich in good deeds and gen- generous and willing to serve when we do that, in that way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. This word is melon. It, it does. It's not the same word as the as the world that Paul said in verse seventeen. This word literally, the Greek word melon literally means the world about to be. It's almost as if I could continue the previous series, Life After Life, even today as we talk about generosity. Because this is what Paul's saying. Paul says, when we live this way, that we're laying up for ourselves treasures in the about to be. Now, I don't know exactly what that looks like. I'm not sure exactly how all that math works out. But certainly, Paul must have been thinking about the words of Jesus when Jesus said, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust can come in and and, and destroy it. But rather, store up for yourself treasures in heaven where those things cannot touch what God has, has prepared for you. And I don't know exactly the whole math equation, but I do know this. God's math is quite different than our math. And here's what I would say. I'm not exactly sure on the return on that investment, but I do believe that God's interest rates are better than we can get here. I'm convinced that whatever I invest into his kingdom, whatever I pour into his work, he's going to richly provide for me in the age to come. But, but then even, that's incredible by the way, but even after that, that would be sufficient motivation. But then Paul takes it one step further and says, oh, oh by, by the way, it's really not just about something that's coming in the future, when you live this way. Paul, Paul goes on to say in the text to Timothy, Timothy, make sure that the church at Ephesus, the church at Solace Church, understands that when they do this, that they take hold of the life that is truly life. That when they do that, when they live this out, that they are really living. Let me, let me ask you this question you ever done something good for someone else expecting nothing in return and walked away and just felt so good on the inside about doing that that's not selfish that's not prideful there's just something on the inside that say when I do that when I give myself away for someone else it feels right on the inside Have you ever been generous you ever help you ever paid for someone's gas or paid for someone's meal or sent someone who is in need something of value financially you ever done that before On the inside, it feels so good, and that's not wrong. You know what that is? That is you being exactly what God created for you to be. Selfishness and pride, it may feel good for a moment, but it feels so bad for for a long period of time after that because it is counter to what God has created us to be. Paul says, you wanna live? Verse 18 is how you live, my friend. Rich in good deeds, willing to share, and generous. If you're writing things down, I want you to write this down. Generosity is life that is truly life. It is the picture of Jesus on the earth. And you can look at this text and you can say, well, that's that's good. That's good. Good job, Matt. That's some good exegesis there. That's some good theology. I appreciate that. You're welcome. and this is theologically right and it is biblically right and and you've heard today the truth of what god calls us to in his word and that is a powerful powerful thing that's life transforming for those who would accept it but that's not the end of the story all that is right and all that is good but don't miss the fact church that when we do this that we step out into a community and a world with very real needs and we meet very real needs. Here's the thought, if verse 19 was not in the Bible, and there was nothing that, that benefited us by being generous. If verse 19 was gone, there were no treasures in heaven and, and, and there wasn't anything that happened on the inside of it. if that verse was gone, it's not. But if it was, it would still be worth doing today what we're doing because of the way it impacts others' lives. It would still be worth reaching out to the community and loving people in the schools and the communities and around the world. Because the truth is, through your generosity, God is doing some incredible things. I want to show you in 3D, in living color, the difference that you're making and have made and that God has made through us this last year. I want to say just, just a moment before we show the video, I want to say a huge thank you to Kathy Cross and her team. Kathy's leading this whole Give effort. She's our Give coordinator. She's doing an incredible job helping coordinate all the resources uh, and the finances to be able to get out of the communities in the schools. We celebrate that today. That's great. Appreciate what she's doing. And I appreciate Jay leading our our team as our executive pastor, leading Ryan, Isaac, and Leslie in our missions department and others as well. They're doing an incredible job making sure that every single dollar that you invest goes into the community, into the world, and make a difference. Thank you for your leadership, and that's great. felt like Kathy got a bigger applause than you. I'm not sure if that's going to be all right, but you're doing a good job, man. Church, I want you to watch what you're doing and what God is doing through us. Watch this video. Give really was started almost by accident, if you can call anything an accident inside the church. We had an opportunity over the course of an entire year to see God do some incredible things financially through the generosity of of the church. And so the first Sunday in December, I was actually talking about uh, tithing, about giving, about being generous. And I wanted to speak that Sunday uh, about tithing and about generosity. But I wanted the church to understand that I wasn't telling them about this and teaching them about this biblically because there was some great need in the church. God had provided richly for our church uh, through the generosity of our church family over the course of a year. So that Sunday, I talked about generosity. I talked about tithing. And at the end of the message, I told the church, so that you don't think that we're preaching this kind of message so that because the church is in need, I want you to know that everything you give today everything in tithes and offerings, we're going to give away to those who are in need. And so Give really was started out of an opportunity to tell our church about how God had already richly provided for us. So after the first year of Give, we had to make a decision. Is this something we want to continue to do? The first time we did this, we took up $15,000, which for our church at that time, was about four or five times more than we were taking up in any given week. So we made the decision that we thought that this was something that we want to continue to do. We felt like God was leading us to not just do this as a one-time event, but something annually so that we can continue to live out this idea of reaching out into the community.
1: First year we were able to pack around 500 bags of groceries uh, for for people in need, local families in need, low-income housing, or families we heard about in in, through the school and we were able to deliver them about two weeks worth of groceries. Um, In the next year we actually doubled what we took up and we were able to double what we did giving out the groceries and by the third year we had doubled again and we were able to give out um, somewhere around 2,500 bags of groceries to needy families. At that point Um, We had a shift and, and we decided, hey, what can we do to make a lasting impact beyond just giving food? And that's when we decided, hey, let's partner with the local schools, let's meet the needs of the kids that are in our community, and let's make an impact that lasts forever for them.
2: I'm Kathy Cross, and I am the Give Coordinator here at Solace Church, and I'm going into my fourth year with this initiative. My team and I give hundreds of hours to this program because we love it. It's, um, there's just something about being in the fabric of, of the community. We support 15 schools, one of which is basically two schools together. So you might say 16 schools. We support multiple organizations and without our help, I've been told many, many times that they would not be able to do what they do. We have provided uh, a washer and dryer to a school because the children there aren't able to clean their own clothes so the uh, staff and the teachers um, requested a washer and dryer in order to take care of the kids in that way. They have a Thanksgiving dinner and GIVE provides the funding for I don't know how many turkeys so that's what we sponsor is uh, the turkey dinner and the reason why that dinner is so important is because the teachers have told me that that is maybe the only time they may see the child's parents or grandparents. And when they sit down at the table, tables together, they're like a family. We have just, we've touched the lives of thousands of kids in our own community. You know, I think it's surprising to see um, the amount of need in our own backyard. Um, Many families that um, are struggling now and many families that struggle all the time. And give creates a sense of community. It lets these people know that they're not alone, that we are there to support them um, with all the glory to God. And there's just nothing more fulfilling than, than to give.
1: Around the third year, we really wanted to branch out into three areas, into the local, the national, and the international piece. Uh, we partnered with a, a, an organization called 1040 i um, who was doing medical missions, and we really believed in what they were doing. And so we started helping to fund their trips. They go over new wound care, they do surgeries, do eye care, and so we were a big part of that. They also do um, what, what are called pet carts, which are for handicapped um, Africans, and uh, give them the ability to move around, which is, it is big for an African. Recently, this year, we were able to partner with a group called HERA, Uh, they are saving women and children from human trafficking because of ISIS. Uh, And this year, because of our donations and the donations of others, they have saved over 300 women and children from human trafficking. So an amazing thing for us from Solace Church uh, to be a part of an international group that's saving people
3: from that. Through Give, we're able to partner with a lot of different organizations. And many of those are local, but we also have uh, partners across the globe as well. And one of those is in Israel, and it's the Just One Life organization. Just One Life is meeting a huge need in Israel. Uh, There are many women, whether it's because uh, their husbands have left them, they've lost jobs, they're they're facing financial stresses. Uh, There are many women that that are considering having an abortion. And so Just One Life comes alongside them, and they offer them counseling, they offer them uh, financial support, they help them to to sometimes find jobs to to better balance their budget, to be able to uh, be a family that can uh, have another child. Through this, Just One Life not only helps prepare a family for this this next phase, but it also saves a life. It saves a baby that wasn't going to be born that now has the chance to live. I wanted to
4: say hello to Pastor Matt Blair and to the entire Salus Church family now i'm standing here in jerusalem in one of the homes of our just one life clients and babies and pastor matt solace church i want to show you something see this baby this baby's yours this is one of the babies that you guys sponsored born just a couple weeks ago and uh I'm feeling very emotional now, and I hope you are too, because you are looking at a live birth, a beautiful baby boy that this mother was ready to abort, but because your church stepped in, I'm standing here in Jerusalem holding this gorgeous, beautiful, new, bouncing baby boy. And uh, again, Pastor Matt and uh, the Solace Church and your wife, Jennifer, you know, you don't do it. No pastor does anything without an amazing wife by his side. I want to thank you all for this little baby. And this isn't the only one you guys sponsored. There are others. But I hope in the the future we can continue this partnership and bring a lot more babies into this world. Thank you. I can't thank you enough on behalf of the mothers, on behalf of the people of Israel, and uh, certainly the people of Jerusalem here.
3: What we love about Just One Life is that the results are undeniable, right? I mean, you save a life. A child is born that wasn't going to have a chance and, and who knows what God is going to do through the life of that child and the eternal impact that that could have.
1: Give has truly become one of our favorite Sundays here at Solace Church and whether it's groceries or partnering with the schools or saving babies from being aborted or saving women and children from, from human trafficking, we get a chance to reach into our community and internationally and impact families for the rest of their life.
0: Over the years, Give has continued to evolve. And as God has continued to increase that amount through the generosity of Solace Church, we have continued to be able to do more and more. And as we enter into this next missional season of our church, I think God is positioning us to do even more incredible things in this community and around the world. The way in which these dollars are impacting people even right now is incredible. But but I I can just see in the years to come, God continuing to allow us to make even a greater difference in this very community and as I said, around the world. I wish that we had time to tell you about every story. I wish I had time to tell you about the mothers who are in Africa and Ivory Coast who have been rejected from their tribes and communities because of female medical problems. We have stepped in and provided life-changing surgery so they could be welcomed back into their communities. For children who have been rejected by their communities and families because of handicaps, who are now accepted back into their families and into the community because of these life-changing surgeries. I wish I had time to tell you about every student in the school systems in Berry Hill and Sand Springs and Sepulpa and Tulsa who received something through your generosity and who who have felt the very presence of the love of God in their life. That's why this is our favorite week. Because this is exactly what light in darkness looks like. So in just a moment, our ushers are going to come and we're going to pray. I'm going to pray for you and for for the, the gift that you give. That it would go out into the world and make a huge difference. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Hey, this is Pastor Matt Blair. Thank you so much for taking time to check out our podcast today at solacechurch.com. You know, we realize that it's possible, as you listen to this message today, that God may have spoken to your heart about something. So if you made any kind of spiritual decision, we would love to know about that. You can email us at info at and let us know what happened in your life today. Once again, thank you so much for taking time to check out this podcast.